Hi everybody, my name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach at uh, Sage Investors and I'm here to do a quick little mind map of my most recent, one of my most recent investment decisions which was to buy shares in Johnson & Johnson, ticker symbol JNJ. Uh, I've been, one of my core I guess investing themes that I've wanted to have, type of exposure that I wanted to have in my portfolios has been to have some exposure to the healthcare sector. and. When I looked at Johnson & Johnson, I thought this could potentially be one way to, uh, to get a really good, meaningful uh, exposure to the sector. Usually, every time uh, I take a look at a company, I take a look, I analyze a company, I analyze a stock, I, it's about asking questions. And to me, um, in the courses that I teach, I've basically come up, there's some basic core questions that I ask myself every time. Uh, I'm evaluating a potential uh, potential investment, and I'm just basically going to walk you through those questions and how I answer them as they pertain to Johnson and Johnson. So, first question I always ask is when I'm looking at a company is what do they do? What do they sell? What is their what is their um, what is their value proposition? And when you look at Johnson and Johnson, let's put that over there. Uh, Essentially, they are what they sell is they, they sell healthcare. They sell. They are essentially a healthcare company. They uh, sell products and services that really run the cross section of the whole healthcare industry. You know, we're talking things like um, you know drugs, pharmaceuticals, um, medical devices. Uh, and then you have all the, the consumer sides, consumer products, you know, products for baby, health cares, oils, lotions, creams, um, and that side of it. And so they, they cover a really uh, diverse cross-section of different health care products. Uh, some of their drugs are, are and, and it's not just that they are in those sectors, they are, they are big players in each of these particular sectors. Like for example, in the drug sector, um, they have one particular drug called Remicade. Um, you know, they, own, they have about 90% of the US market. They just dominate the market. They have another one called Stellara. Um, uh, another big, <coughs> big player in, the, in, the, in, in, in uh, another very popular drug and a very well-in-demand uh, drug. So when I looked at Johnson & Johnson, you can kind of almost consider them to be kind of, uh, you know, they're a conglomerate in a sense, but they're essentially they're almost like a, uh, a pseudo ETF uh, in the sense if you wanted to get exposure to the healthcare sector, just buying just buying Johnson & Johnson would give you that that exposure. So Johnson & Johnson essentially, uh, you know, one of the dominant best of breed um, healthcare uh, companies out there, out there right now, and they've been around uh, forever. Uh, next question I will then ask, I always ask then is, okay, that's great. Um, we kind of get a sense of what they are. Um, who do they compete with? Is there any competition? Does, does the company face any uh, competitive uh, pressures? Is it a competitive industry that they're, that they're working in? So, you know, in terms of the, I said, the healthcare sector, there's, you know, the big, there are there are some serious players. On the pharma side, you have companies like Pfizer, uh, you know, Bristol Myers, Bristol Myers in the meta, you know, in the uh, device sector, Medtronics. Medtronic is a bit is one of the dominant players in the industry. Uh, then you look at the consumer healthcare side of it. You know, you're talking to companies like Procter and Gamble, uh, Colgate, Palmolive. Uh, Kimberly Clark, 
Um, so there, there, there's a quite a diverse nature of companies out there in the healthcare sector. So there's a lot of players, and and it's interesting that Johnson Johnson is 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 a major player in that side. Uh, in terms of customers, like so, okay, great. So they sell healthcare products. Who buys their products? Who goes and buys Johnson and Johnson products? Well, essentially, they have products out there that cater to essentially people, kids, like babies. Like we're talking cradle to senior. Um, there's something out there that they could offer almost any demographic out there uh, in terms of healthcare products. Um, the question, though, is when we look at when I'm look when we look at potential customers and the types of customers, are there do they cater to customers who would come back to them and buy their products uh, repeatedly? And the answer is to me is obviously yes. You know, healthcare, health, and uh, and wellness. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be uh, a need, and it's it's not so much a need; it's almost a, a necessity on that sense. So I think, especially you know, you know, increasing age uh, in the population. Um, so the answer is yes. There's definitely a, a consistent. Uh, demand for their products and that's kind of what we want to look for inv as investors we want to buy companies that sell products that people are going to want to buy over and over and over again to generate more and more cash flow um, for the business to make the business viable and ultimately make the business more valuable so clearly Johnson Johnson is, is a dominant player in the sector they sell products that people want that are in demand and uh, so from that side of the from this side of the equation it all looks good, but then now uh, we got to get to the, to the. That's all nice and good, but at the end of the day, we're investors, and so that leads to the next question that I always ask: Is do they make money? Is this a profitable business? This is a business that's creating value, creating tangible wealth for its shareholders. Now, when I look at, uh, uh, when I try to answer this question, I usually come at it by looking at a couple of data points, and to me, one of my go-to data points is the whole concept of economic profit, which is taking a company's return on invested capital and subtracting the company's cost of capital. If it's a positive value, that means this company is generating positive economic profit. It's creating tangible wealth for its shareholders. So when you look at uh, Johnson & Johnson, if you look at their return on invested capital over the last three years, it's ranged between 21 and 24 percent, which is really solid. And when you compare it to their cost of capital, it comes in about 9.2 percent, roughly, about 9 percent, 10 percent. So clearly, um, from this perspective, this company is generating a lot more returns on capital, greater than its cost of capital. It's creating um, it's creating um, positive eco-economic -pro profit, which is definitely what I want to see as an investor. And they've done um, a pretty good job of doing it quite consistently. The, I, I was just—I saw a number that said the company has gone 30 plus years of, of uh, increased profit and growth. And if you look at their product line, 27 of their products or brands uh, had sales of over a billion dollars last year. 27 different product lines had say, generated sales over over a billion dollars last year. So this is a really solid company has demonstrated ability to create wealth consistently over a long period of time. In fact, if you looked at uh, their dividends, if you're all about dividends, they have increased their dividends, uh, I think the last count, 55 years, straight years, which is 
pretty impressive. Um, so clearly the company is, is, is making tangible wealth, is creating tangible wealth for its shareholders. Next thing that I'll want to take a look at in terms of numbers and financials is the strength of the company's balance sheet. What is their financial position? This is a company that's going to go out of business tomorrow. Um, when I looked, now Johnson & Johnson is probably one of the few, there's only a handful of companies on the planet that have like almost a perfect uh, credit rating, uh, like a triple A credit rating. Johnson & Johnson is one of those companies. They have a triple A uh, rating on its debt, which means no business or bank or financial company is gonna have a problem giving Johnson & Johnson. They, they don't have a problem raising money. They, and, and it's because they, the management of the company has, has been extremely disciplined and is very disciplined in terms of how they, they allocate capital, how they, uh, how they determine which companies to, or which products to get into, you know, how they diversify their portfolio of, of healthcare products. They've done a, a, an absolutely masterful job over the years of doing that. Um, when you're digging into the financials, again, AAA credit rating, current ratio, if you look at their liquidity, which is current assets to current liabilities is 1.4, which is over one, which means it has more than enough um, liquidity to pay off its short-term obligations. Its debt equity level is at about 0.5, which is pretty reasonable. Um, again, um, <clears throat> it's it's gener this is a company that generates a lot of lot of uh, cash flow. It's it's just a money printing machine. And when you look at their times interest uh, payable, they have twenty six they generate generate twenty six times more income than they do uh, interest costs on it. So uh, from that perspective, again, this is a pretty clean, pretty solid. Um, company from a financial position. Their goodwill, they have a pretty high goodwill. They makes up almost 50% of their assets, which normally for me would be a concern, but the, given the nature of, of healthcare, there's a lot of research and development. Um, there's a lot of kind of growth that's a lot of time done by acquisition. So they go out and buy a lot of small businesses, uh, small companies that have new emerging technologies or new emerging um, um, drug um, products. They will tend to sometimes it's just easier to just go out and buy them than than, than inventing it, uh, inventing it in uh, developing it in house. Um, so, so again, pretty dominant player in the healthcare industry. Consistent economic profit, consistent wealth creation, pretty solid balance sheet. So so far the story with to me for Johnson Johnson's looking pretty good. Now, like any company, we need to also understand the risks because what are the threats out there that could potentially take down uh, a company like Johnson & Johnson? Well, the nature of the healthcare industry, there's lots of risks. Um, one of the kind of risks that the company, drug companies or healthcare companies have to deal with or pharma companies have to deal with is, is drug expiry. You know, they could spend billions of dollars developing a product, but they only get kind of exclusivity to sell it for a limited amount of time. So drug expiry is a bit of a, a risk factor and so it's there's always a, an importance on looking at having a, sort of a pipeline of products of, of, of drugs that they could potentially roll out into the marketplace and so the problem with that which makes it risky is there's a lot of regulatory um, um, hoops you got to jump through um, to get there um, then of course there's also the legal liability stuff somebody gets sick somebody dies some of their or something that doesn't go right with their drugs, um, they can get sued and that can create a lot of constraints on the business too. Um, another risk also is there's a sort of a switch. Um, people want more uh, natural um, ingredients. And 
a lot of times Johnson & Johnson has been criticized because they've, a lot of their products are, you know, have a more chemical component to it than, in, uh, than incorporating natural um, um, extracts and herbs. And, but the company has, in the last, in the recent uh, analyst meeting, has shared that they're actually going to, a lot of the, they're going to be um, converting some of their uh, more popular products um, uh, to integrate more uh, more natural uh, ingredients in them. So that's a potential challenge and the company seems to be trying to respond to it, but it's something that could potentially uh, maybe make people switch away from Johnson & Johnson and look at other possible alternatives. Um, so that's all good, well and good, but at the end of the day we're investors and ultimately when we're looking at stocks, we want to ultimately buy stocks that are, that are cheap, that are, you know, that offer the potential for future value improvement. And so the last question we always ask ourselves is, is the stock cheap? Is the stock trading at a discount relative to its intrinsic value? So there's a couple of ways you can kind of look at the valuation of a company, and that's compare Johnson & Johnson to other drunk companies and other healthcare companies and see if, it's, if the share price is cheaper or more expensive than other companies. So on a relative basis, um, it is cheap. Um, on a relative basis, stock is trading at a uh, multiple of 16.3, a price earnings, a forward price earnings multiple. Um, and that's pretty uh, lower compared to companies like Clorox, which is trading at 20, about 21. Uh, Colgate is trading at 21.7, and Procter and Gamble is trading at about 18 to 19. So when you look at it from that perspective, um, Johnson's Johnson's definitely is cheaper than other uh, similar uh, healthcare companies that are out there. Um, in terms of a uh, discounted cash flow analysis, looking at an intrinsic uh, value, um, valuation models that I've seen out there have the stock valued at a between 130 to 160. Um, as I said, the time I started looking at the stock that really got me interested in, in, in looking at the stock was at the 125 level. Um, the stock had been coming down up, it was at one point at earlier in the year about 150. So it was down to 125. And uh, so when I look at it, there's potentially, uh, I think, at least a 20% upside. And then you know, on top of it, getting about a 2.5% um, dividend yield. So when you factor all these, so when I looked at everything at the end, I looked at it, this is a company that's definitely a best of breed company, a dominant player in the healthcare sector. They are in so many, a cross section of different types of businesses. Um, they sell products that have a consistent demand over all different kinds of demographics. They're creating tangible wealth and have been doing it very consistently for a long period of time. Their balance sheet is, is pretty rock solid. Lots of cash flow getting generated, strong credit rating, strong ability to pay off its debts. Um, and it has the management experience and competency to manage through a lot of the risks that are inherent in the healthcare sector. And ultimately, right now, when I looked at the valuation of the company, it seems to be cheaper. Uh, it seems to be cheap right now. And I think there's at least some upside and potential yield that can be gained from it. And so when I factored all of these elements together, it seemed to me that owning a company like Johnson & Johnson, which is a very diverse portfolio of healthcare products, um, 
is a probably more efficient way to do it than owning a bunch of specialized uh, healthcare medical uh, medical device companies. You kind of get everything, all that exposure through one stock. I can go out and buy an ETF and do it, um, but I felt because of the valuation, I thought maybe there's more upside and a potential to have a bigger a bigger gain on it. So when I looked at it, put all these factors in, um, I came to that decision to uh, to buy. So that's my analysis of my quick uh, mind map that led me to my decision to buy shares in Johnson & Johnson. If you want some more uh, info in terms of how I go about this framework that I use to make investment decisions, you can check out my website, sageinvestors.ca. As I said, I teach courses on, on how to make, uh, how to evaluate uh, companies and stocks and how to make uh, more successful investment decisions. You can check me out there on my website, sageinvestors.ca. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for watching. Take care. Bye.